Welcome. My name is George Mann, and I'm the writer of Newbreen Hobbs, Witchwood, and Star Wars The High Republic. This is Kevin Shinnick, writer of Star Wars Force Collector. I'm Kevin Scott, one of the story architects of Star Wars The High Republic. This is Dominic Pace, who plays Gekko the Bounty Hunter from The Mandalorian. Hi, I'm Claudia Gray. I write Star Wars books. And you're listening. And you are listening. And you are listening. To Star Wars Comics in Canon, the Force is strong with this one. Hello there and welcome to Star Wars Comics in Canon, your guide to the wider Star Wars canon through the comic book lens. And to take you on this journey, I'm your host, Mike Burton. And so brings episode 130. So my friends, we're delving back into the High Republic and back into Phase 2, Wave 1, with the Blade miniseries. Now if you haven't joined me before, welcome. I'm going to go through each of these comics in chronological order and then along the way give you a bit of extra information about certain characters or planets or species, those sorts of things, so you get a good understanding of what goes on in these comics while you also get a good understanding of the wider Star Wars canon. And I will say, as I always do, please support the creators of this release. Please buy it where you can, as this, although gives you the plot details and stuff, there are little bits and pieces that I miss out. Some of the dialogue in this is amazing and the artwork in this issue, especially with the action scenes, is absolutely phenomenal so i always encourage those to pick up these comics where you can but with that all in mind let's delve straight in so this is phase two of the high republic so this is set 150 years before phase one of the high republic and phase one of the high republic is set 200 years before the phantom menace so this takes place around 382 years before the battle of yavin battle of yavin is a new hope Now, although this miniseries makes a little bit of connections here and there to the Phase 2 content, such as the books, etc., mainly the conflict that's going on on Aerono and Aram, as detailed in Convergence and Cataclysm, this is actually quite a self-sufficient story. Now, it centers around Porter Engel, who is a character from Phase 1. At that point, he's about 300 years old, and he's basically just a cook at that point. You do hear, like, stories and legends about him, like what he can do, and this comic shows the kind of things he can do, and it is absolutely incredible to watch. But Porter Engel was first seen in the High Republic book Light of the Jedi, and I think he's in all three of the main adult books to some degree. I know he's in the Galactic Bake Off issue as well of High Republic Adventures. He pops up here and there, but he's an amazing character. I immediately clicked with him when I was reading the High Republic Phase 1. So when I heard about this miniseries was announced, I was incredibly excited, and I was not disappointed. This is one of my favourite miniseries that exists, I'd say. I think The Rise of Kylo Ren, also written by Charles Saul, is probably my favourite miniseries that I've read thus far, but this is very, very good. The action in this, as I said, is just incredible. So with that in mind, let's delve into a few details before we delve into the plot. So the comics themselves are called The High Republic, The Blade. It's four issues long. All of them were written by Charles Saul. The colour artist for issues one to three is Marco Castillo. The artist for issues two to four is Jethro Morales. They both work in tandem in issues two and three, just to clarify if there's any confusion. And then the colour artist for issue one and two is Jim Charalampadis. And the colour artist for issues three and four is Jim Campbell. Issue number one was released December 28th, 2022. Issue number four was released March 29th, 2023. And the trade paperback collection is due to be out June 27th, 2023. So with that in mind, here is the crawl. This is a time of great exploration. Brave teams of Republic Pathfinders strike out into unsettled regions of space to build new communication networks and find hidden hyperspace lanes. Much is unknown. Danger is everywhere. 
The Jedi Order has offered its help to the Republic, sending its Jedi Knights to help wherever they are needed. On a far-off planet known as the Bone World, two of the greatest Jedi of the age embark upon their next adventure. So let's give a little bit of information about Porter Engel before we get started. So he's actually a species of an Akrakian. Now Akrakians are often orange or white-skinned humanoids, and they look pretty similar to humans apart from they have two head bulges on their forehead. Now you actually first saw an Akrakian, also known as an Akraki, in Poe Dameron number 30, obviously also written by Charles Saul. As I mentioned earlier, they can live past 300 years old, so they live for centuries. He was in phase one of the High Republic, first in Light of the Jedi, but he was a cook, and he's also known as the Blade of Bar Dotta. He's also a Jedi that is frank, but good-humoured, and nine-egg stew is a speciality of his. And his lightsaber hilt is really interesting. It's like an old-school pirate-style sword, sort of like a cutlass, where you hold the hilt and like a metal semicircle almost covers where your knuckles would be. It is a really cool lightsaber, and it suits him brilliantly. So let's delve into the story. So it starts off with Porter Engel in a bar or cantina, and he is cooking for some random people in a bar. He's not great at cooking, but he is getting better. He tried out some random ingredients he found and things, and uh, the strangers do not enjoy what he's eating, which he apologizes for because said he's trying to get better and loads of ingredients he's not used before. And then a figure who is hooded near the entrance calls over to him and says there's trouble outside. So he leaves and takes a few Sabak cards with him. Now, Sabak was in Legends. It was in the original trilogy and things. He gets mentioned quite a lot in Star Wars. It's like the most popular card game in the Star Wars universe. But the main place you've actually seen it played is in Solo, a Star Wars story. They play with hexagonal oblong cards, and I may have mentioned it before, but I actually know how to play Sabak because at Star Wars Celebration I was waiting in a queue with people who actually had the official Sabak game, and it's actually surprisingly simple, but it's a, it's a really fun game. Supporter goes outside with this hooded figure, and he asks what's going on while floating Sabak cards all around him. There are four people who are just arguing with each other, two of them are accusing the other two of them of theft, and so Engel introduces himself and also his sister, Barash Sylvain. Now, Barash Sylvain is a cage species, so they are near humans from the planet Corsite. Now, they seem to be the same as humans, apart from they are white skin, as in proper pearl white skin. They apparently are naturally beautiful. They're also quite athletic, they have good reflexes, and they have a martial arts style culture. They also have memories that span back really, really early in their lives, sometimes even remembering things from when they were babies. Now, we did actually first see a cage in the Clone Wars episode Bounty, that is season 7, episode 20. Then we saw them in the High Republic a bit, obviously because of this, and then also they're in the Kanan comics, issues 7 to 11. And then there's a few more bits and pieces in the canon. They're not actually in Legends, apart from technically the Clone Wars, which obviously is both canon and Legends, just like the six movies. But the cage species really is just a new canon thing. But yeah, so Barash is a female cage, and she's obviously a Jedi as well. Her speciality is more so with the mind and the force and those sorts of things, whereas Porter Engels is more so with the offensive and defensive styles of the force, as well as the lightsaber. Now, you may recognize the name Barash. If you're a comic book reader or if you've been listening to a lot of episodes of Star Wars Comics in Canon, you would know potentially where that comes from, or it may ring a bell. By the end of this episode, you all know what it's referring to, and I will confirm to you as well verbally, but I'm not going to go into it yet, but uh, the answers will be with you soon. But anyway, back to the plot. So Engel and Barash then ask these four people what's going on, what's the details of this theft and things. There's back and forth between them explaining what each side believes happens, and then Barash notes that the Nautilun is the one telling the truth. Nautilun is the same species as Kit Fisto, as well as the Herald from the High Republic Phase 2, who is one of the leaders of the Path of the Open Hand, but you'd have seen Kit Fisto in Attack of the Clones and in Revenge of the Sith, as well as in Clone Wars and those sort of things. So Engel then says, like, there's no death here today, we just want to sort this out amicably. Then the two that are accusing the others of thieving, they draw their blasters and then fire. 
Engel manages to ignite his lightsaber, deflect all of the bolt through the floating cards that are around him right in the dead center, and then tells them to drop their blasters. They see what has just happened in like a blink of an eye, they drop their blasters and run away, and the other ones thank them. So Porter, Engel, and Brash then leave. We then get a flashback, and there is a flashback in each of these issues. So this first flashback is 25 years earlier. Barash Sylvain meets Porter Engel. They're younglings training at the Jedi Temple, and they start training with sabers. And as younglings become initiates and padawans, those sort of things, as the classes change, much like in school and normal education, the people that you're surrounded by change. And Barash is not actually fast about making friends or anything like that. And Engel says, well, I think having friends is great. So one, I try and be yours, and we can kind of see how it goes from there. And then they're training with the lightsabers, and Barash is again not fussed by lightsabers really, they don't interest her in the same way, whereas Porter Engel is completely enamoured by them and loves them. So, back to now. Barash and Porter are at the office of the Frontier. Now, the office shows the power and the influence of the Republic, while also the Jedi Order have got an agreement with the Republic so that the Jedi can go to where is needed by them most easily. So, Republic set up these places, obviously it's great for Frontier Worlds, but then Jedi can travel there and then use those places as a somewhat base to be able to travel elsewhere in the galaxy. Because this is like 350 odd years before The Phantom Menace or anything like that, and the Jedi and the Republic are meant to be separate. Obviously, in the prequel trilogy, we don't necessarily see that, and that's kind of what leads to their downfall and things, and especially the Clone Wars exacerbates that, but the Jedi and the Republic are meant to be two separate entities. And one of the things the High Republic is trying to do, both in Phase 1 and Phase 2, is show how they were separate entities and how they slowly came together. And I suspect once the High Republic is over, we're probably going to get something like the Young Republic, which is probably going to be set just after the Sith and Jedi Wars, going back the sort of 500 years prior to Phase 2 of the High Republic, and we'll kind of see what that's all about. Or maybe they'll just jump all the way back to the Sith Wars and then kind of lead into the High Republic. I'm not sure, but I am certain that we are eventually going to see all that stuff. But back to the story. Barash and Porter look at the job board and they find 201 jobs for Jedi. So Barash decides to feel for them and notices one that kind of sticks out to her. And it appears there is a fortress under siege. So this job is on a planet Gansevoir. Now Gansevoir is a place which is not mentioned anywhere else in canon or in legends, but it is in the Tamaz sector. Now the Tamaz sector is not in canon apart from in this specific instance. But in Legends, it's actually in a few games, it's in the Old Republic game, it's in Empire at War, but it was actually first in the 80s Droids cartoon, and it was in several episodes of that. Barash and Porter are told by the droid who kind of runs the job board that there's no transport that goes directly to that planet, so they're going to have to find their own way there. They then turn around and a Pathfinder team has overheard them, and the Jedi, as a part of this Pathfinder team, offers them a lift, because they're going to something in the nearby sector. So Pathfinder teams, they're detailed quite a bit in the junior novels, so Quest for the Hidden City and Quest for Planet X, mainly Quest for the Hidden City more so, but essentially it's usually a team of five, so it's normally a Jedi Master or Jedi Knight with their Padawan, and then you've got a Medic, a Pilot, and an EX droid, which is a droid that you leave messages to, and then you send it off, and then it goes and delivers that message, because at this time in the High Republic, communications weren't great, in fact the point of the Pathfinder teams is to find more hyperspace lanes, as was mentioned in the crawl that I read out earlier, a group of people go there, hopefully there's no trouble, and they just put these communication buoys out along the way, as well as details of these hyperspace routes, and then the hyperspace routes can get checked out more properly by, I believe, hyperspace prospectors and things like that, and then once it's all been confirmed, more communication buoys are set up, it means that whatever world or worlds they are near, they can then communicate with the wider galaxy, including the Republic. So the EX communication droids are there because at that point, you can't actually do it. 
The way I'd kind of describe it almost is if you go into the middle of the woods and you have no signal on your phone, then you could give a message to someone and they could run off to a nearby village and tell that person what you need. But if that person could somehow fly <laughs> and survive in the vacuum of space, it's kind of like that. Not the best metaphor, but you'd probably know what I mean. So Porter and Barash join this Pathfinder, they go onto their ship, and the master who invited them, Master Helion Volte, asks if he can duel Porter Engel because Porter Engel is legendary. Helion notes that he was top of the class when he was in lightsaber dueling at the temple, and Engel noticed that he was actually in the bottom middle of saber dueling. But then he absolutely destroys Helion, like, really, really easily. He duels him with his lightsaber, and then Engel lets go of his lightsaber while it's still countering and dueling Helion's attacks. And Engel walks round to behind Helion, grabs him, and then puts his Shoto lightsaber up to his throat. Obviously winning immediately. Now to clarify, a Shoto lightsaber is the same as a normal lightsaber, it's just generally smaller. Ahsoka Tano uses one when she's got her dual wielding. Usually when a Jedi uses two lightsabers, they use one which is Shoto, which is a little bit shorter, so it just kind of gives a more dynamic range, as it were. However, certain smaller statured Jedi, such as Yoda, already use a Shoto lightsaber just as the standard, because it's just a smaller lightsaber. After that little duel, the team are then nearby a planet, and they warn that there is zero communications at all on the planet. The Pathfinder team do offer a couple of EX droids to Engel and Barash, but they say no, it's going to be fine. Barash specifically says that Ganzevor is a civilised world, so they should be fine. And then we see the last page, which shows the city surrounded by a wall under siege. So that's the end of issue one, on to issue two. Supporter Engel and Barash Sylvain meet Envoy Selene. She says that Ganzevor is a planet of knives, that's its nickname, and she notes that the sieged city has got mines of Baldraxite. Now, Baldraxite is a rare mineral that is central to the planet's energy infrastructure, so Firevale, which is the name of the city, they trade Baldraxite for essentially everything with the rest of the planet, be it technology or food or anything like that, because Firevale have got all of the mines and all of the veins of this material so they can trade with the rest of the planet. Now, the individuals who are sieging this city are from Bethune. So they're an army from a rival land, and they've blocked communications and traffic, but won't actually confirm to anyone why it is. And the cities on this planet are meant to solve their own disputes. There is no military or anything. So the envoy basically asked the Jedi to be involved to find out, A, what's going on, but also, B, to help supplies get delivered, because the people inside the siege city are starting to starve and obviously haven't got supplies for anything else. Now, Porter Engel and Barash Sylvain are... A little bit unsure about what's going on. They do ask if there's any weapons inside of these shipments and things. Envoy confirms there aren't any, and so they hesitantly agree. So, then they get to Firevale. So, they're on these ships and things trying to fly the supplies over the siege and also the wall. But before they can do that, the Bethune army then start to fire missiles at these supplies that are going over. But Rash and Porter manage to redirect them with the force and then tell the convoy they're on to land out of range. Then, Barash and Porter go and talk to the Bethune clan alone. So the two of them then approach this encampment of the army. Shots start getting fired and Porter Engel deflects all of them with ease. And he's been shot by, I'd probably say, 20 blasters or so. And he deflects all of them. They're slowly walking towards the encampment, but then one bolt almost has a direct hit onto Barash. Porter is quite angry about that, yells out, and immediately every bolt that he's deflecting, that he's just kind of deflecting off into random directions... He aims them straight at the people who are shooting at them, and it immediately disarms all of them. He then notes that clearly he could have done a lot more to these people, so they need to stand aside while they go and talk to the commanding officer. Then we get another flashback. So this flashback is to 17 years earlier, so this is about 8 years after that initial flashback we saw. Porter and Barash as Padawans are going to be separated, because apparently they're getting too attached. So what they vow is to be worse Jedi when they're apart, so it means they can eventually be put back together. 
because they both confirm the things that they're both not good at is the thing that the other one is a specialist in, so they just work together incredibly well, and they balance each other out. So back to present. They talk to the commanding officer, who is called Tozen, he's also known as the Field Marshal, and tensions are very high between Firevale and Bethune. Tozen is not a fan of the Jedi or the Republic, and he says that Firevale actually kidnapped their princess, and then are also charging Bethune extra for their Bodraxite. Barash convinces Tozen to allow them to go in with the supplies, and then they can talk to the Firevale people and try and get to the bottom of this without any bloodshed. Tozen hesitantly allows them to do so, and then when they're out of the way, Tozen then communicates to someone that he has paid for a certain thing. He notes that the Jedi are here and it complicates things, so he asks for these people that he's paid to come. Barash and Porter deliver the supplies to the people in Firevale and then speak to the royals specifically. It's noted that the princess is not actually kidnapped, the princess is actually the prince's wife. While Barash and Porter are trying to make sense of this situation, alarms sound, and then a huge amount of mercenary ships approach. And then the last panel of this comic shows there is a female, Miri Allen, who appears with a double-ended blade and notes her warrior kin soldiers are ready. So that is the end of issue number two. Now I will clarify, I, I find it very hard to pronounce this. So it's M-I-R-I-A-L-A-N. I think most people find it quite easy to pronounce, but clearly it's just me. Miri Allen. They're basically a species of humanoid people. They generally have green skin. They often have black face tattoos and things. And two of the ones you'd recognize the most is Luminara and Dooley and Barris Offy, both of which you'd have seen in Attack of the Clones, but you see them a lot more in the Clone Wars. But with that in mind, let's go to issue three. So now standing on top of this wall that's protecting Firevale, Porter and Barash ask about Firevale's defenses. The Colonel notes that they have anti-air guns, but the wall's weak point is at its gate. And that's exactly where the Bethunians are going to attack. The Bethunians then start attacking. Barash notes that she wants to get more information on the feud before kind of doing anything further, but does tell Porter to go and try to stop the siege while they're still collating information. So Porter walks up to this encampment and then he gets shot upon once again, but he deflects all the bolts that are coming at him into like a couple of shoulders and a couple of blasters and things and says he just wants to talk. And he says that Barash is going to speak with the princess. Then the Miri Allen then appears. They are called General Vis. They are the mercenary leader and they absolutely hate Jedi. They don't really want to cooperate with Porter, but Porter is quite convincing and Tozen does reluctantly stop the assault on Firevale once again. So back to Barash. She talks to the Queen, who does not approve of the Prince's marriage. She believes it has put the entire of Firevale at risk and the Princess has just completely shirked all of her responsibilities and so this entire situation they find themselves in is due to the Prince and the Princess. Barash then asks for the princess because the prince and the queen keep speaking for her rather than Barash actually being able to speak to her directly. And the princess does agree, so Barash speaks to the princess. So the princess talks to Barash and confirms that her people would not accept a Firevale prince, so they fled and begged his mother to try and allow them into Firevale instead. And she also notes that she is pregnant, but her people would never accept Firevale blood in the air, and they would actually give the child to someone else if it came to it. Then we get another flashback. This is 15 years earlier, so this is two years after the flashback from the prior issue. Barash and Porter Engel are reunited. Their plan worked to being slightly worse Jedi and things, and Barash notes that she was actually late to the temple, and because Cage remembers so many things earlier, she actually remembers her family, and she was missing them for a very long period of time, but then since she's got closer and closer to Porter, she asks Porter Engel to be her brother, and he accepts with open arms. So now present day. Barash tells Porter that it's all wrong and that the Bethunians need to leave. Porter then tells the Bethunians to leave, as in Tozen and Vis, and then kind of leaves them to it. 
Tosin speaks to Vis and says, well, we need to still do this. And Vis says, I'll do it and I'll confirm, but we need 12 hours to plunder the city once you've got rid of the Fire Veil citizens. And he reluctantly agrees. He's very much a reluctant person. He never really wants to do anything people are telling him, but he's obviously in lots of situations where he can't really help it. So Vis then fires a rocket at Porter Engel, and then the Bethunians start to fire over the Fire Veil wall. Now, the Bethunians are joined by basically an army of mercenaries, and it's primarily the mercenaries that are firing over Fire Veil's wall, and it is just killing their citizens, it's destroying their buildings and stuff, and the city just doesn't have any more defences. Up on the wall, the royals are obviously very concerned about this, but Barash says not to worry, because Porter Engel will sort this out. So that's the end of the penultimate issue, so we move on to the finale, issue number four. So Porter confronts Vis, and she notes that she has killed many Jedi and even gladly wears the name Jedi Killer. She says that the ones who vanish into the frontier that are never heard of again, that's her who kills them. Porter is unimpressed by this, but says he will remember her name in case she escapes, and she pulls out a blade ready to fight, and then she blinks, and suddenly she's got little cuts all over her, including one on the side of her cheek, and she's dropped her blade, and Porter is standing behind her, basically saying, I could have killed you, but I didn't. So he gives her one last choice to surrender peacefully, and in response, she throws an explosive to her own people, and then runs away. Porter manages to save these people by throwing the explosive into the air so it doesn't actually hurt anyone, but then Vis is gone. Back in Firevale, the prince wants to surrender, but the queen won't. Barash notes that Porter is destroying their machinery to show to the mercenaries there's no profit to be made, so they are hopeful that the entire siege will stop soon. General Vis is noticing this, so tells the remaining mercenaries and things to double their fire rate over the wall. Tozen says no, because he actually wants the city to be somewhat kept there, he needs the infrastructure of the city to actually move into it and stuff, but Vis and the mercenaries basically say no, and then just shoot everyone inside the command's tent, including Tozen. The Queen then wants all of her people to retreat into the mines, because there's just too many casualties and things going on. Then the princess receives a communication and goes by herself somewhere. The communication is from Tozen. He says that General Vis has taken over. He's like laying on the floor with like a blaster bolt wound and things. And the princess confesses that she actually hired the mercenaries to help. Tozen was in on this, he knew, and he's been collaborating with her this whole time. But then the princess says this big explanation as to what's going on, doesn't hear a response, and Tozen's droid confirms that Tozen is dead. Barash then approaches the princess, noting that she's in a state and if she can help at all, and the princess then kind of blurts out a few things, knowing that the queen wouldn't actually allow the prince to rule or anything, so they orchestrated all this. Barash is completely taken aback by this, tells the queen about what's going on, and then the queen's first reaction is to pull out a blade and then just run at the princess to try and stab her. Barash does manage to use the force to stop this right before it like enters her and says to think of the baby. The prince is then looking confused and says, but what are you talking about, baby? We were waiting to consummate the marriage before. And then the princess cuts him off and says that she lied to the Jedi so that the Jedi would be more willing to help. And Barash is obviously completely distraught by this. You then get a little action scene with Porter Engel. And as I said, all the action scenes in Porter Engel are incredible. They're just a joy for the senses to read. But he uses his Shoto lightsaber to destroy a cannon. He like throws it really, really far. It destroys the cannon, but blows up. And so he loses his Shoto lightsaber. The princess then communicates to the Bithunians, obviously her people, and says for them to attack the mercenaries, and then there's just this big brawl going on. Barash notes that all of the death that has happened here is due to the lies of the prince and the princess, but Barash also confirms that she is responsible for this because she helped this happen. Porter Engel manages to disarm the remaining people who are fighting and things, including the mercenaries, and the mercenaries all retreat into Vis's ship, and then they fly away. But before they fly away fully into retreat, Vis decides to try and take a shot at Porter Engel. He's like on the floor, completely exhausted, because he's been just doing everything full energy for probably hours at this point. And as the shot is about to hit Porter Engel, 
Barash appears with her lightsaber and deflects it. Vise and Co. seemingly just get away, and then she confirms to Porter Engel everything that went wrong, what's going on going forward, the truce, the deal, everything that happened with the Bethunians and stuff, and that once the Jedi showed up, that's what caused this entire plan to go awry, and it's actually their fault for them getting involved. Porter says it's fine, we can like figure this out, we'll go to our next mission and talk about it on the way, and Barash says that she's not going to go with him. She says that she didn't listen to the Force, she just listened to herself, and she went with what she kind of wanted to believe instead of what was actually true. So she needs to regain her certainty in herself and in the Force, but until then, she will take no action on behalf of the Jedi Order. Engel says that he won't be able to make it without her because they walk together the best, he can't do it alone, and she says that he isn't alone. The final panels of this comic show that Porter Engel then reports back to the Jedi Council about Barash, and they think it's best to send him back out into the fray and wants to send him to Bardotta. And that is where the comic ends. So, a few things there. A, I love this miniseries, it's incredible, and reading it through the second time for this podcast was again a joy. I just love it. The panels and the artwork is just incredible, and obviously the writing is really good. There's some brilliant dialogue in this that I really enjoy, but obviously to get all of that, you have to pick up the comics yourselves, which I really recommend. Within like a couple of weeks of this episode coming out, the trade paperback collection, as I mentioned, is being released the end of June, so I would hugely recommend if you're going to pick up any comics from the High Republic, I would say these ones are great, especially because you don't have to have consumed all other High Republic content for it to make sense. But so the way this ended, so Porter Engel is known as the Blade of Bardotta. So it's confirmed already, uh, Charles Wall confirmed it at Star Wars Celebration and he's mentioned it since then and also it does say at the end of the issue to be continued. There's going to be another miniseries coming out, likely amidst Phase 3, even though the time will be in Phase 2, a sequel to this. It's going to be The Broken Blade and it is going to be the story of how Porter Engel got the name The Blade of Bardotta. I imagine it's going to be him trying to get through some of his essentially grief and loss for Barash going off and leaving the Jedi Order, at least for the time being, and seeing what he gets himself into. And I, for one, am very excited by that because I do love a tortured soul, hence why I love Baylor Valance, and I also love great action sequences in comics, so I'm very excited for that. I listened to a recent interview of Charles Saul on the channel Star Wars Explained, and he confirmed that they don't have a date for a release yet. It's all kind of secretive and things. So I imagine that will get announced once Phase 3 of the High Republic sort of kicks off towards the end of 2023. So hopefully we'll have it towards either the end of 2023 or maybe early 2024. And then there's the mystery of Barash. Now, why is that name familiar to some of you people? Well, Barash, you know that because of the Barash Vow. Now, the Barash Vow was actually first mentioned in the 2017 Darth Vader comics, and it was the first volume of that. I tackled that in episode 62 of Star Wars Comics and Canon, so go back and listen to that if you fancy it. But I would recommend picking up the comics. I think the Darth Vader 2017 run of comics, all 25 of them, I think are probably the best Star Wars comics in the canon at the moment. I absolutely adore them. Every volume of the comics is brilliant in its own way, but that first volume shows how Darth Vader got his lightsaber crystal, shows him bleeding a lightsaber crystal, all that stuff. It's insanely cool. But the way he gets his lightsaber crystal is by fighting a Jedi called Kirak Infila. Now, Kirak has taken the Barash vow. So, after Barash did this and separated herself from the Jedi Order for a certain period of time, that is kind of how it's been named now, the Barash Vow, which is quite cool. And obviously, there's going to be stories going forward that utilize the Barash Vow, probably when they need a Jedi to come out of the woodwork and to kind of hand wave explain why they weren't affected by Order 66 or hunted by Inquisitors or anything like that, because they just kind of disappeared and went off by themselves. But I love that idea. It's very cool. But that's where you would have heard Barash from. Now, I do hope that we get to see Barash again, but who knows? So I think that just about does it for everything at the moment in this episode. So what have we got coming up and how can you support me? 
Well, obviously, you've listened to the show, so that is the main way you can support. So thank you so much for doing that. If you want to support the show a little bit more, you can share with your friends in person or on social media. You can obviously tell people about it. You can rate or review. So on Spotify, just give a five-star rating. It takes like two seconds. And that makes a huge amount of difference to the show. You can review on Apple Podcasts or Good Pods or places like that. You can even do it on Audible. So please do that if you could. But the most substantial way you can support me, aside from listening, is support me on Patreon or Coffee. So go to patreon.com slash genuinechitchat or coffee.com slash genuinechitchat, which is ko-fi.com slash genuinechitchat. Links are in the description. And if you want to subscribe to a monthly thing, then you'll get access to over 170 episodes of Afterthoughts. That includes about 10 Styles Legends book reviews with more to come, as well as TV and movie reviews, reviews of live performances, all those kind of things. If you support me on coffee, it's just a one-off payment. Obviously, it's still hugely appreciated, but depending on how much you give, I'll send you certain Afterthoughts episodes. If in your donation, you mention what kind of Afterthoughts episodes you'd like to hear or like to see, just like be, oh, I want to hear all the Styles Legends ones or something like that, then I can make it work depending how much you contribute. But all of that is detailed on the website. But in any way that you support the show by either just listening, reviewing, sharing, or contributing financially, it means the absolute world to me. So thank you so much for considering that. But what have we got coming up? Well, I recently finished Cataclysm, so I've written out all my notes for the book review on that. So I'm probably going to do my review of Cataclysm, which is the last adult novel of Phase 2, Wave 2 of The High Republic. It's not the last book because Path of Vengeance is actually the book set after that. And I'm currently reading Quest for Planet X. I'm about halfway through that at the moment. So I'll finish that and then do Path of Vengeance. But I imagine Cataclysm review is probably what I'm going to be releasing next week. Then there's also the first batch of Yoda comics. So there's 10 Yoda comics in total. I think number eight has just come out and I've read up to number seven and it's basically set as three issue arcs and then the finale is like its own thing because there's like a little through story going through it. So when I do the Yoda series, what I'm probably going to do is do it in two parts. The first part will be issues one to six, which is the first two volumes. And then the second part will be the third volume, including the finale issue. Then as well as that, I've got more High Republic comics to do. It depends when High Republic 10 comes out because I'll be able to tackle that but I suspect I'll have to do that after Path of Vengeance because I assume it's going to weave into that somewhat, but I'm going to have to read High Republic 10 and then I'll be able to confirm to yourselves where it kind of fits in the timeline. I've got the one-shot comic, Quest of the Jedi, that I'm going to do at some point soon. I've then got the High Republic Adventures comics. There's going to be, I think, eight of those. And issue number four is on its way to me at the moment, so I can do the first volume of the High Republic Adventures comics. And then on top of that, there's also the main runs of comics before we get to the Dark Droids crossover event in August. So it's 2020 runs of Star Wars, Darth Vader, Doctor Aphra, and also Bounty Hunters. There's one or two story arcs between the end of Hidden Empire and the start of Dark Droids. So I'll be delving into those too. So that's kind of what you can expect for the weeks coming up. And then I've got a few bits and pieces that I've got lined up as well. And if you haven't already listened to my interview with George Mann, who is one of the High Republic authors, please check that out on either YouTube or the feed of Genuine Chit Chat or on the feed of Star Wars Comics Canon. However you want to do it, it's hugely, hugely appreciated. And the chat with George Mann was incredible. And I'm already putting the feelers out and trying to get some more Star Wars authors on and creators because obviously I just love talking Star Wars. So uh, any other ways you want to support the show, you can subscribe to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash genuine chit chat. And then every single episode of Genuine Chit Chat and Star Wars Comics and Canon is all up there in their own playlists. There's genre playlists, all kinds of things. It's a great way to get into the back catalogue if you just want to like cherry pick certain episodes. If you just want to hear every episode of Darth Vader or all the ones surrounding sequel comics or things like that. So please check that out and subscribe. But that's going to be enough from me, my friends. Thank you so much for listening. As always, I appreciate each and every one of you listening, especially all the way up to the very end. I'll talk to you next week, most likely with my book review slash plot overview of Star Wars Cataclysm. And then from there, it's probably going to be, as I said, Yoda, Quest of the Jedi, and some more High Republic stuff intermingled with non-High Republic stuff. So uh, yeah, thank you so much for listening as always, friends. I'll talk to you next week. And as always, may the Force be with you.
The intro for Star Wars Comics and Canon is arranged by myself, Mike Burton, and the backing music was made by Eric Matias of soundimage.org. You have just experienced host, creator, everything else of genuine chit-chat, and also the host and creator of Star Wars Comics and Canon found on the Comics in Motion podcast, Mike Burton.